to the Constructionist Podcast hosted by Caleb. Just as we grow gardens and build buildings, God is building you through the renewing of your mind. The sufficiency of the scriptures is paramount in your journey and every week Caleb will challenge you to make them a central part of your life and worldview. Join us now as we explore the world through the ancient lens of God's word. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on the Constructionist Podcast, where we're always looking to get built up and strengthened in our mind and our heart in the things of Christ. I'd like to talk today about what just happened last week with the resetting of the Doomsday Clock. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Doomsday Clock, if you keep track of the Doomsday Clock. I can't necessarily say that it's something that preoccupies my daily life, but I did come across this idea of the Doomsday Clock a number of years ago, and then I just saw a headline here recently that said that it had been set to a hundred minutes, sorry, a hundred seconds to midnight which is a big deal, or maybe even 90 seconds to midnight. I think 90 seconds, which is a big deal because it's the closest they've ever gotten to midnight. Now, I'd sound all dramatic and everything, but let me explain why. In some circles, they think this is a big deal. So the doomsday clock was developed as a concept and then a kind of meter to gauge the times back in 1947 with Einstein and some other scientists who sort of thought beyond the mechanical scientific reality of creating an atomic bomb. And they considered the sort of philosophical ideas behind it. So from 1945 onwards, humans have had the ability to create very large weapons of mass destruction. And these weapons are now in the hands of, you know, dozens and dozens of countries. And it's been a looming threat for a very long time. You might remember the Cuban Missile Crisis of the 1960s when Kennedy was president and Khrushchev was shipping nuclear missiles to Cuba and it became this terrible idea that there would be nuclear missiles 90 miles off the coast of America that could be launched by an atheist, uh, maniac, Russian dictator, you know, this kind of thing. And so it was called the Cuban Missile Crisis, and it was inverted and nothing ever came of it. But it caused a lot of panic and a lot of fear all up and down the East Coast in the 1960s when it happened. So this business of the doomsday clock sort of takes those ideas and embodies them into the symbol of a clock. Now, when the clock was first unveiled in 1947, it was set to seven minutes to midnight. And so midnight is this idea or or it holds this place of Armageddon or the, the end of hu- the human race or whatever, however you want to put it, you know, the end of the world or total mass annihilation or something like that, the end of civilization. So these scientists of the 1940s recognized that humanity had crossed over a threshold. They are now able to destroy themselves. So before that, that wasn't really possible. I mean, how could you 
wipe out the entire human race. They're so far removed from each other and there's pockets here and there and what could you possibly do in in France that would have any sort of effect on Hawaii or something like that. You know, that's that was sort of the thinking, which was correct thinking. But then all of a sudden, they were able to create this weapon that could be put onto an airplane and flown anywhere in the world and dropped and destroy huge cities and millions of people all at once. And then, of course, as you exponentially add more and more weapons, more and more bombs, more and more missiles and all this kind of thing, it just creates a much greater chaos than before. And it, it, it sort of affects you psychologically after a while. So I don't know if you ever saw the film with Matthew Broderick in the 80s called War Games, but that was sort of a unique take on this idea. <clears throat> and the kid, Matthew Broderick, manages to hack into NORAD, which is the um, uh, American defense base where they all the big brains are there. And there was this computer that was developed, and the computer sort of kept track of... Russian and American nuclear weapons and what would, you know, if they launch, we can launch, and it was all this early warning system stuff and how to respond to it and everything else. So as the film goes on, this kid realizes that he set in motion within this computer a war game that he thinks is actually going to destroy the whole human race, and it's called uh, thermonuclear war. Do you want to play thermonuclear war? And so that's what the computer says to the kid, and, and the kid's like, yeah, sure, that sounds like fun. Uh, but then he <laughs> he gets raided by the by the FBI or something like that, secret police and stuff, and he realizes he's in big trouble. But he manages to meet the guy who actually wrote the software. So this sort of plays into the an early idea of artificial intelligence and what happens when computers make decisions that humans cannot override. And that's what's happening in this film is the computer's doing its thing. Everybody thinks it's going to launch all these missiles and then Russia's going to launch back and they've got this really clunky sort of 1980s map with on the computer with all these lines of missiles coming over to North America and coming from North America to Russia and they're going to blow each other up and oh no, what do we do? It's a countdown. It's the end of the world. But the guy that actually wrote the software and developed it, he sort of became this recluse and he lives on this island and uh, doesn't want to talk to anybody and doesn't want to get involved because he uh, philosophically is now against this idea of destroying the world and why should humans have this power and all this kind of thing. But he finds some kind of relief or perhaps hope in this idea of mass extinction. And so he shows the, the kid and his girlfriend this film about all these dinosaurs killing each other and fighting each other, and then this asteroid comes and destroys them all, and out of that comes humans, if you hold to an evolutionary uh, time frame of history. So out of that comes humans, and, and we're just going to destroy ourselves, and out of that destruction will come something else. You know, this sort of idea of um, we're all going to die, because that's how evolution works. Everything has to die at some point. But then out of it, you know, will come some other form of life and some other world um, that'll last for a million years. And then it'll die and it'll all start over again. So it's actually quite depressing when you think about it. Because everybody has to die at some point. And it's all about death. And death then ultimately brings about, hopefully, if evolution does its job correctly, more life. And so that's the whole point of that film. But the Doomsday Clock, it's 
got ticked recently to 90 seconds, to midnight. And it's the closest it's ever been. So that means that these PhD scientists in Chicago who are part of this consortium of decision-making have decided that due to the war in the Ukraine and due to the threats of COVID and due to environmental issues and due to artificial intelligence, in their estimation, humans are now closer to self-annihilation than has ever happened in the history of the human race. What are our options? That was my thought. I began thinking about this and I thought, well, what are our options? Are you going to take the option like the scientist in the film, War Games? And are you just going to throw your hands up in the air and say, look, I got caught up in this um, machine that I couldn't break out of and I developed this piece of software that's now going to be used to make preemptive strike decisions outside of human control and eventually we're all going to die. And the machine crunches the numbers and says, well, in the end, 2% of human life will survive and therefore we've won the battle even though billions of people are dead. If you're an evolutionist and you really do hold strictly to the idea that, that it's all about life and death, power struggles, and all this kind of thing, and that there's this beautiful concept called evolution that somehow manages to overcome and create new life, then maybe you can find hope in that, even though your death is very likely going to be one of the deaths of AI or... COVID or the war in the Ukraine that'll escalate into a nuclear conflict or whatever. But in my mind, that's kind of a sad way of looking at things that eventually, you know, that it's all about the survival of the fittest. And then in the end, as long as the strongest manage to get through, then (laughs) everything will be okay. So I don't know if that's helpful. I don't think it's helpful. I'm certainly not an atheist. I don't believe that there's no God. I believe that there is a God and that God is able to intervene and able to speak into society. So what is our other option? Well, there's all sorts of options you can choose from. So I am going to choose the option that comes out of the Holy Bible, the scriptures that record the words of Jesus and the apostles and the prophets. That is my decision to begin with that starting point. And you can choose to start from an atheistic perspective and you can follow it through to its logical conclusion. You can choose to start from a humanist perspective. You can choose to start from a Muslim perspective. You can choose to start from any sort of perspective you want. That's your freedom of will that God gave you to make those decisions. But which one is the most comforting and the most fruitful to the human soul? That's sort of what it comes down to. What is the most comforting and the most fruitful to the human soul? So in the scriptures, Jesus says, in effect, in Matthew 24, that the human race cannot destroy itself because God will not allow it. So this is an interesting idea. What happens when humans get down to one second before midnight and that clock is pushed next January to that moment and then the biggest brains that think about these things in the world are saying, no, we really are on the point of mass extinction or, or mass death or um, the complete annihilation of civilization or something like that. Where is your hope? Where is your comfort? Where is your means of coping with this impending doom upon the world? Where is it? What is it? 
So Jesus says that mankind cannot, will not destroy themselves in that sense because he is going to intervene and keep them from destroying themselves. So when you follow this through with the book of Revelation and work out the numbers of a third of mankind will be destroyed, a quarter of mankind will be killed, this kind of thing, there really is going to be a lot of death and destruction that's coming up. There was a lot of death and destruction in Egypt when the plagues came and God moved Israel out of the land of Egypt and took them into the wilderness and eventually into the promised land. But what happened in that scenario is that there was a point where God said, those who reject me will suffer, those who accept me, I will preserve. And so this is exactly what we see in the end times. Those who reject God and his position of creator and ultimate authority over the earth as judge, who has given us a conscience and given us uh, an insight and an ability to seek him, and choose him, those who reject that will end up getting what they what they have coming to them. I don't know how else to put it, really. Um, there is a natural consequence to rejecting blessing. There's a natural consequence to rejecting the goodness that God has to offer. It's no different than living in everyday society. And you are free to live your life. You're free to make a living. You're free to be uh, able to go where you want and sort of do what you want within the confines of the law. And so just like those five police officers last week or last, several weeks ago that killed that guy in Memphis, they are now stripped of their position. They're all, they're sitting, you know, potentially going to jail for the rest of their life. Why? Because they went outside the confines of their position as police officers who are there to provide safety and help to the public. <clears throat> and somebody ended up dying as a result of it. And so, rightly so, they need to be judged in that sense. Well, the same thing is going to happen with God. God's going to look down and he's going to say, well, I'm required to judge you because you went outside the bounds of my predetermined system of living that is good and right and would be giving you the freedom that, you, that I want you to have. And so God has to come and he has to deal with this kind of thing. And in the process of doing that, physical life uh, will be lost around the world. But it doesn't mean complete annihilation <laughs> in that sense. God sort of gives people what they want. And so our second option, outside of the one that just sort of goes the route of the war games scientist that, well, everyone dies eventually, the dinosaurs went extinct, and now it's our turn. There is the sense that there is going to be hope given in Jesus Christ. If you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you read the scriptures and the prophets and the apostles and the words of Jesus and see what they have to say, you'll find that it does reflect the reality in which we live worldwide. And if we align ourselves to those, the word of God, we will find then a peace and a strength and a comfort, even if our life is lost, because God is not creating people. He's not breathing life into people for this life. He's breathing life into people for a life with him in eternity in a new world that he will create that will be what he has in mind for those who have chosen to seek him and to follow him and to love him. So the doomsday clock just ticked over into a new 
setting that's never been there before. And should we be concerned about this? I'm not actually concerned about it. I used to get myself all wound up over the gas prices and petrol prices and inflation and what's going to happen if the so-and-so gets into office and what's going to happen if, you know, this kind of thing transpires and all of a sudden, you know, this terrible event takes place and how am I going to feed my family and how am I going to pay to live and stuff like that. Really, those things don't bother me that much anymore. (laughs) I mean, I think about them, sure, and the thoughts do come into my head, but they don't bother me in the sense of I'm fretful. They uh, bother me in the sense that people are not turning to the truth and turning to the Lord Jesus to find salvation. But it's not bothering me in the sense that I'm getting fretted about it or worried about it or anxious about it because I recognize that the Lord Jesus has a plan in place and that in that plan, he will be able to save those who seek him. So the doomsday clock can tick all at once, in my opinion, and I think in your opinion as well. Instead of looking at the doomsday clock and thinking about nothing but death and destruction, and it's kind of a strange premise in which they put it together anyway, because they, the thought was is, well, the fear of thinking that the human race is about to be utterly destroyed will shock people into a better way of living and a better life. So it's like focus on the negative in order to get the positive to come out. That's what they're doing. Now, there's a certain amount of truth to that. There are a lot of people out there that when something bad happens or they hear that they're going to maybe die if they don't get their health put together or something like that, they will make major turns and they will actually improve their life as a result. It does happen. There's, an evan- there's a method of evangelism that says, you know, give people the bad news first, that they are a sinner and that God is the judge and that they will end up in an eternity of um punishment called hell if they don't repent and turn to the Lord and trust in his resurrection and his salvation. There is that school of thought, which, it, that, which works and it can work, but is it ultimately, um, <laughs> depending on what worldview you're taking, this idea that, oh, we, there's nothing left but us. And so we have to shoot humans to Mars to preserve the human race and things like that. I mean, I find those things rather rather silly uh, to think that when the, the solution and the answer is right there in the scripture. All you have to do is pick up the Bible. All you have to do is turn to God, who is the creator and the sustainer of all life, and let him do his work in you to sanctify you and fill you with a love for him and for the people around you. And then that will trickle out and it will change the world. And it will solve so many of these problems that we have today if people would just humble themselves and turn to the Lord. But people don't want to do that because just like Psalm 2 says, why do the nations rage? Why do the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves against the Lord and against Christ, his Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. They actually are setting themselves directly against him and saying, no, we do not need God involved in anything that we're doing down here on the earth. And if we are going to talk about God, we're going to talk about all gods and we're going to say that everybody can worship their God except for you people who say that the Bible is true and that the creator God and his son Jesus Christ are the ones that we should worship. No, we set ourselves against them and say that we will have nothing to do with that. And that's what's happening around the world. And it's a sad state of affairs. They're quite happy to 
to, to love any other God except for the one true God. And so don't let the doomsday clock frighten you. Don't let the news scare you. Don't let the signs of the times shake you in any way. You're not standing on any of that. You're standing on the Lord Jesus Christ. So stand on him and be strong in faith. Read the Bible. Read it slowly. Read it prayerfully. And we look forward to seeing you next time. you for taking the time to listen to our podcast if you are challenged and encouraged by what you heard today please feel free to share it with any friends or family you like you're welcome to email us at calebtheelectrician at gmail.com that's calebtheelectrician at gmail.com and remember to leave a comment at itunes spotify or anywhere that you listen to podcasts